welcome to another week of Theology Jam. Uh, I'm Matthew Burkholder. I'm with uh, John Korkadakis, and we are here to uh, do some uh, jamming on theology, uh, on, I guess. On theology, or, and how it affects the world around us and the church within us and all, all that kind of stuff. And um, what kind of, we got a hot topic today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't, like, we don't script, a, we don't script these conversations. Not, the, not sort of the normally. format is just sort of, <laughs> we sit here and we say, what do you want to talk about? And then we, we talk about it. We talk about it, yeah. And maybe this is one, um, well, it, I think this will be one that I, I hope is informative and challenging. And we are just witnessing an incredible amount of um, political division. Political division. Yeah, this is a hot topic. We might, we might find ourselves di- <laughs> divided <laughs> after, after this one. Yeah. Um, well, the questions of theology and politics has always been, um, it's been one that the church has really wrestled with for a long time. Um, the way we act as citizens in society, the way we, um, you know, we're called to be supportive uh, in, of our leaders in prayer and to, yeah. to pray for our leaders. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of discussion in the New Testament about um, politics, and that's actually been something that's, um, you know, been challenging for some people as you read the New Testament. There's certainly... Certainly, political messages, but um, it's not like it, there's explicit, you know, conversations about this is how, uh, you know, you need to view governments. There's, of course, Romans, which uh, a lot of people talk about how we, um, you know, obey the governments. But we are just sort of seeing um, a lot of opinions, a lot of divisions. It's it's becoming quite. Uh, we're becoming almost fractured as the body of Christ over some of these issues. Yeah, we are called to be peacemakers, and it doesn't feel very peaceful right, right now yeah. as, as a country. And we're also uh, not only called to be good citizens uh, who are, you know, we want to follow the laws as, as far as the laws um, are concerned and don't sort of interfere with our, our faithfulness to God, but we're also called to be prophets, I think, as well. Yeah. And, and sometimes as Christians, we, we can call, um, call people out, call people to account and, um, and challenge, um, you know, governments when we see them going uh, sort of awry. And sometimes the church has failed at that miserably um, in, in, at different times in history. And so it's, it's a hard balance. It's a hard almost dance between... Um, being good citizens and following the laws and praying for leaders, but also if we see things that are, um, you know, coming into play that are maybe dangerous for people or going to harm people, uh, we can also be a voice of, 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 uh, of uh, almost a prophetic voice as well. And so that's, that's a challenge. But. Oh, I, I, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you're putting a prophetic spin on it because, um, you know, I'm a little older than you are and, I've lived through a number of prime ministers and a number of leaders in this country, be it federally and, and you know, provincially. Um, and I'm just, as, as a Christian, extremely alarmed at what I'm witnessing in our country. Um, you know, I, uh, I, li- I, you know, lived during the Quebec crisis mm. and, and, you know, and 
War Measures Act was enacted and things. That was a really difficult time. But there's just something about what's happening right now that's, uh, you know, foundationally more fractured than even that period of time. And something that is spreading even even further. Um, and I, I think as a prophetic voice, you know, as believers, we need to be in prayer for our country, in prayer for our leadership, um, all, all across the board. Because I think we're seeing a, a cultural shift in, in, in our world that is pointing us in a direction that is not very healthy mm-hmm. right now. And my, my great concern is that it's coming right from the top mm-hmm. that I'm seeing. That's, you know, I know we've had the trucker convoy and everybody gets you know, on one side or the other when it comes to the trucker convoy. In, in my estimation, the trucker convoy is, is a, a symptom, like, you know, of the problem, of the real problem. Mm. And um, it's, it's almost like a diversion from where we need right. to be focusing. And, um, you know, the fact that we have incredible division in this country is actually being promoted by our leader, Mm. by our supposed leader. He's the one calling out names. He's the one categorizing, you know, citizens in particular way. And I cannot believe that he has not been held to a greater account Mm. for the kind of divisiveness that that he has shown in this whole situation. Um, The trucker convoy could have been taken care of weeks ago, as far as I'm concerned, and managed in a totally different way. If you saw, if you saw the way Toronto handled it with John Tory and just how they handled theirs, it was absolutely a show of leadership. Mm. And yet, you know, when it happened in Ottawa, it was like run and hide. Mm-hmm. It was just absolutely embarrassing in, in, in my mind. In fact, there's, there's two... There's two measurements um, that, that when it comes to leadership in politics that you look for. Competence in leadership. We have an absolutely incompetent leader. I'm sorry. There's no competence in leadership. And uh, maturity of char- character. We have a person who's incompetent and immature in the two most critical areas that we need somebody um, in that position mm-hmm. and fails miserably in both those areas. And that's why I think we're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can analyze, we can analyze these things politically for sure. Um, I think, you know, um, it also speaks to the, to the, the confidence that Canadians have in the alternative parties as well. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry. When it, when it comes to, I've, I've, that, that's been a big head scratcher for me. Mm-hmm. What have the other parties been doing? It's mm-hmm. almost like they've been giving the liberals a pass mm-hmm. because they just haven't gotten their act together. My prayer right now is that hopefully the conservatives with passing the torch for 
Aaron O'Toole, are going to hopefully figure this thing out and put somebody in place that is going to be seen by the rest of Canadian people as a, a safer alternative and a mm. better alternative because that person is going to show competence and leadership and maturity of character. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those two things are going to shine brighter than anything. And I, I don't, um, you know, I can't speak for, uh, you know, the whole obviously population of Canada, but there is a concerning, um, you know, movement within the United States, Canada, uh, Brazil, uh, European countries of a sort of radical right wing yeah. um, sort of surge. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a, it's no secret, right? There's been a rise in this sort of movement. And so you, you can't fault people maybe for being concerned about um, some of these, these sort of extreme sort of ideologies that are working their way through. Um, you know, even, even the, you know, as, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on the, the, you know, the freedom convoy, but even that whole idea of freedom convoy, right? Like this whole... It's, it's a bit of a misnomer. It's a bit of a strange, yeah. strange idea. And it, and it goes to show you um, sort of a shift in, uh, you know, sort of Canadian values, Canadian identity, um, sort of that, that sort of radical freedom and autonomy of doing whatever I want without consequence is not necessarily a Canadian way of viewing uh, the individual, if you might say. Uh, good government is, is sort of, you know, security, safety. I mean, uh, the whole demanding of freedom um, brings with it a, a whole other set of interesting questions about, um, you know, the fact that this is happening within a pandemic is, is also sort of it can be a bit odd, right? Um, we're all making sacrifices. We're all trying to trying to do what's best for our neighboring communities, and then to see people um, demanding uh, total freedom from anything without consequence is is a bit of a sort of that's a radical view of in, of an in, in, of an individual. And I don't necessarily and see there. So we're we're introducing all of these you know conflicting ideas of what it means to be a person in society, uh, a, um, a person who has the right to make choices, has the right to make autonomy, but then those choices aren't without consequence. And so here we are. We've got... Wow. Yeah. I don't, you know, so we can approach all of these things through political theory. Um, so I just did that, I guess, right? I just took... Uh, a, a division between sort of collectivism and individualism, and we have a conflict between ideas of what it means to be a person in society, and that's all f fine and good. But I guess this this podcast is how how do these things intersect with faith or theology or the church, and do we have a theological way of speaking to, um, you know, you just observed a, a leader who. Um, you know, in, in your assessment and a lot of people's assessment has not the best character and has not handled things uh, very well in, throughout his political career. Um, I've tr I'm trying to identify some of these sort of um, 
sort of cultural under, underpinnings that I'm I'm seeing with um, with this sort of movement happening in Canada. I mean, you look at some of the leaders of this convoy and some of the people are speaking and where the money's coming from and sort of the people who are supporting it and sort of some of these um, kind of factors and that and that concerns me and, and so I guess my question is is what do we how do we take scripture uh, how do we take um, you know faith the church theology and then try to engage um, where we are as a country Okay, I want to I want to back up a little bit because sure. you've used the terminology of autonomy and all that kind of stuff. But about fifteen years, maybe seventeen years ago, I was doing research with Empironics, and at that time they were publishing, uh, you know, studies between you know the cultural differences between Canadians and Americans, mm. and I think it was called Sex in the Snow okay. uh, of 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 pretty pretty funny statistical, <laughs> you know, title. That's great. <laughs> but what, you know, a, a general kind of summation of their research was that in the U.S., people were more authority-based, mm-hmm. okay? So, you know, the military, the, all those kinds of things, which we can see mm-hmm. as, as part of the culture. But when they categorized Canadians, they were more autonomy-based. Interesting. Which was really, mm-hmm. really surprising. And, if, and in fact, at the time... Um, they were autonomy-based, and um, we were leading the world in postmodern thought. Mm. So it almost, it almost says that when the government catered to us, to our autonomy, we were fine. Mm. But once that autonomy got threatened over a longer period of time, um, then it started to raise our hackles, okay? Mm. And it started to, you know, uh, break us apart. Now, I'm not sure whether that kind of uh, you know, summary would be true of Enveronics did that same kind of research today. And, and, and I've been meaning to go back to, to Enveronics and other, you know, statistical analysis groups and see what they're mm-hmm. have, have come, if we've changed culturally. But at the time I was really struck because I wasn't expecting Canada to be such an autonomy based nation because we're nice Canadians who get along with everybody. We apologize when we don't need to and all those kind of stuff. But that's kind of like the wall that we've built Mm. because we have such comfortable lives. Right. And that's, that's sort of like the false shield that we live behind. And in many ways, the pandemics kind of threatened that false shield in, Mm. in, in my mind. And we're seeing those edges crack Right. Of what really is the foundation of what it means to be Canadian. Right. And that's a good point. Because, like, my whole life, um, we've held to a very uh, a very traditional liberal view of the human person, where mm. we are free to do whatever we want. Yeah, absolutely. I want to define myself how I want. I want to live my life how I want, as long as I'm not hurting anyone. Right. 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 That's long, always the yeah. caveat. Is So yeah. I, I can appreciate that that research and i think i i i mean again we can keep this is this is more of a political observation but there's a i i think there's a naive there's a naive that's a naive approach to to human uh the human person that we can just do whatever we want say what you know be whoever we want and sort of live in this isolated bubble well um 
you know, there's, there's all sorts of problems with liberalism, the, the sort of myth of human progress that we're just going to keep progressing and progressing. We could get into that yeah. for, you know, for the rest of the podcast probably, I guess. Um, but you do, you do see this, um, this movement. I think most Canadians were trying to, were trying to decide, make decisions that were going to, you know, they were going to work for me. I mean, we have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. In the world, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, even 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 the the industry that is currently sort of being highlighted uh, are, like, highly vaccinated. I think most people did that in the hopes that, you know, we could, we could treat, um, you know, uh, sorry, we could help solve this problem. We could sort of protect ourselves, our neighbors. But there are, there is always going to be a group of people in society that the moment you try to tell them they have to do something, they feel that 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 sort of autonomy threatened, and so they just automatically react against whatever you're telling yep. them to do. Yep. Uh, once you feel like your agency is removed, um, it's it's really difficult to make um, that that choice, and I you can you can kind of see that uh, happening, and I just I I guess I I do want to try and bring it back to. Uh, how, how does the church, because I have, um, you know, you can, I have my uh, pastor friends who are sort of, you know, they're, they're going and they're, they're preaching at those things and they're going and they're marching and they're writing about politics. And then I have my, my uh, other pastor friends who are, are trying to lead the charge for some of these progressive causes. And I sometimes wonder... Uh, are we just, instead of going to the Bible for our framework or, or sort of like our, our, our church theology or received theology to sort of um, see the world, it seems like people are first going to their political frameworks and then sort of moving into how they engage with with society. Social media is really, it's great for that. And I'm, and I'm oh, sure I'm guilty yeah. of it because I'm, we're unable to escape our political sort of influence. Yeah. Right. And so I'm trying really hard and I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm doing a great job, but I'm trying to, um, allow, um, theology to sort of critique my political ideas, frameworks and sort of you know what is the what is the first thing we're supposed to do? What are my first responses? My first um, actions as a citizen who's also a Christian, and and we are losing, I think, the message when we allow our political frameworks to sort of dominate our our speech or our actions. The message of Jesus is Lord, right? Um, Jesus is kingdom. Is is what we are here to advance, right? And so, that's that's concerning and that's challenging for me. And how often I have to sort of tell myself that, um, you know, my goal is to is to preach the message of the kingdom. And that, I mean, Jesus rarely. I mean, he he interacted with with political people. But his his goal was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He yep. didn't come as a politician. Yep. Right. He came as a as a person to uh, kind of preach the kingdom as a and 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 the apostle Paul. 
He's talking about life in Christ. Yep. He's talking about uh, union with Christ, participation with Christ, um, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. He's not, he doesn't, uh, maybe First Thessalonians, there's some underpinnings of political theology, uh, Romans 12, but other than that, yeah. he doesn't care. And even <laughs> Jesus said, give to Caesar what, what belongs to Caesar. Okay, um, because you're right. The, the priority was the kingdom of God first and foremost. So how is all this political wrangling and social, you know, how is this advancing the kingdom? How does this pointing people to Jesus? How is it when, when you know, even people like myself who is just so disturbed by what's going on in the world around, sometimes I forget that God is still on the throne. God is still in control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we point people, especially people who are questioning the, the veracity of what is happening today, point them to a bigger kingdom, a bigger hope, a greater expectation than having faith in political leaders who are just human anyway? Yeah, and, and absolutely. But also at the same time recognizing um, the, the way... The kingdom is not isolated from the world. From the world, right? Yeah. It's that whole, you know, city of God, the, the city of heaven, okay. the city of earth. But there's those things overlap, right? And 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 we, it's it's that challenge, um, you know. One of the sort of the, I I I'm working my way through uh, Jesus and John Wayne, which is a really fascinating yeah. um, book right now. And one of the sort of topics that she goes into the beginning is is um, is Billy Graham, right? And Billy Graham's is sort of you know he did a lot of incredible things for the gospel, but he 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 didn't always step up the plate when he needed to maybe make a, a statement about um, race or a statement about. Um, did you realize that like the the first student who was integrated? into a school in the United States just turned like, just turned like 50. That's amazing. Right. When you, when you think about that, that's, that's like yesterday. Right. Yeah. So we're like, we, like there are, you know, I, uh, you, you read all, theologians, uh, James Cohn talks about this. He's an American uh, theologian, black liberation theologian, who's, he was just talking about all these, these white theologians who did wrote these incredible things and they didn't ever talk about oh, race, the, race the race or the lynchings or the those things and so it has to call us to at some point say this is this is not um the way we treat human beings or it, it's that it's that like i said at the beginning it's that that difficult dance that we have to do um and i i don't i don't know <laughs> I don't know how to solve it. Yeah, yeah. Things things aren't getting easier no. to to filter through and resolve. They're getting much more difficult, and and it's becoming far more complex than than it has. Um, and it was always complex before, but the complexities just seem to be multiplying exponentially. And it's just becoming more and more difficult. I think, you know, even, even from the standpoint of the church, it's, it's reminding ourselves first and foremost what we stand for, how we stand against injustice when it does, when it does pop up, 
and that we point continually to Jesus. Everybody point continually to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our political platforms, you know, and not even to our social platforms, but first and foremost to Jesus, and then and then deal with the issues of life as Jesus dealt with the issues of life. Right? And I think I and you know um, to try and maybe put that into a contemporary example. Uh, you know, Jesus was very much concerned with people who were being ostracized and neglected yeah. in society. Yeah. So ask yourself, the people who are angry, are they feeling neglected, ostracized from society? And a lot of people, it's going to be yes. Yeah. And so yeah. even just the, the, the act of, of trying to listen to what people are saying, it's not always easy um, because we, we like to think of our, we now think of our political, en- uh, political opponents as our enemies. Right. Right. You don't, you don't consort with enemies, right? You, you, you beat enemies, right? Well, well, you defeat them. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because in, in, in all my, my years, I never saw a political party even if I didn't agree with them, mm. and there's a certain political party in Canada that I've never voted for because mm. I've been totally against their platform, even from a very young age, but I never considered them my enemy. Right. And, and I think this is the first time ever that I have a twinge of that mm. starting to happen just because of what I'm experiencing, that I think they're actually promoting the kind of divisiveness that Canadians have abhorred for, for, for mm-hmm. centuries. Mm-hmm. And yet we're seeing our entire cultural heartbeat be upended in a way that really upsets me. Mm. And in fact, they're, in fact, I'm seeing them as enemies of everything that we value mm. as Canadians. And I know I'm being very extreme and I know I'm being, you know, but honestly, unless... Until this turns around, what we presently have in our country, I don't think there's any way forward as our country to start becoming what we claim to say uh, what it means to be a Canadian. Mm. Yeah. I really think we need a change, and we need a change fast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think one of the... um, so I was I was very politically involved when I was younger. Um, I was a uh, well, you know what? I don't mind saying this because uh, it's just part of who I was. I actually was um, I was I was I was a receiving. I was on the mailing list of the Canadian Communist Party of Canada oh, oh, when okay. I was a yep. teenager. Um, I read the Communist Manifesto when I was younger. Uh, it really deeply. Um, sort of influenced me obviously I've gone through lots of different of shifts but uh, when you sort of you have an ideology as radical as that then very much so uh, the enemy is part of that part of that that sort of view of the world Um, that you see class divisions and you and you divide up society based on that and so you sort of lash out at um at, at people who are part of that group. And what happened to me 
in sort of my life is a friend really challenged me to to pray for the leaders that um, we have in this country who at the time were um, pretty far from from the left. The left. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. I actually did. I actually started I actually started praying for for the prime minister at the time. And um in that 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 was a it, it changed. It sort of changed the way I saw him. And I, um, I, at the end of, of his career, I, I actually sent uh, him an, a message and I thanked him for his, you know, for his working uh, as a prime minister, which is not an easy job. No. Right? no. Whether we like our prime minister or premier or not, it's not easy. Yep. And I remember just laughing to myself, thinking if my younger self could see me <laughs> writing a message. Yep. But, at, but at the same time, we have to recognize, like you said, politics actually does affect people. It right? does. Like it actually does, it it's actually has an a, impact in people's lives, right? Their day-to-day lives. And um, if people feel like the government is trying to regulate everything, control everything, tell them how to think and act, I mean, that's something we need to speak out against. Yeah. Right? And, um, or if they're, you know, using... Uh, I mean, yeah, we can, we can, we can look at Donald Trump. We can look at what's happening there. We can look at the rhetoric and the language and the divisions and sort of the usurping of the church by these, you know, I don't even recognize the church in the yeah. States. It's, uh, yeah. it's just a political wing of Donald Trump yeah. in a lot of different ways. Which is really sad. Right. Really sad. So we can guard against those things too. Um, but yeah, I think... You know, as the church, as Christians, as as leaders, um, or just citizens, we need to we need to be aware that politics has an impact on people's lives. And um, you know, I I I I read a little bit about twentieth century uh, theology and and some of the the way the church really um, really failed. It like as things were getting really bad in the thirties and the forties in Europe and. And how the church just dropped the ball. They didn't. They didn't speak up. They went along with it. They got sort of caught up in this political movement instead of recognizing their their call to love. And and it's yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's not an easy place to be. And I'm sure we're not done with this conversation. You know, in the days ahead. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still trying to filter out how how to better be the church during this time. But if you have questions or if you have, you know, uh, parts of this topic that you want to inform us about that, um, you know, uh, we're always happy to get your comments and happy to hear your suggestions of other podcasts here at theologyjam at gmail.com is how you can contact us. And again, I'm here with Matthew Burkholder. And actually, this was a lot tamer than I thought it was going to get because I was pretty riled up before this. And, and you've been a lot more gracious. But, you know, I, I have to state again, I am really concerned. And as a pastor, I rarely talk politics. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare. But I am so upset by what we're experiencing now as Canadians. And I really hope... We, we come together as a country and, mm. and make the change that's desperately needed. Now, that's 
that's being very forward about what I think needs to happen. But I think the country, you know, is 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 being held. Oh, I was going to say is being held hostage, and I think that's a bit of an unfair statement, to be honest. But at the same time, I think we deserve much better as citizens. Yeah, we can always hold people to higher standards, right? Yeah, that's 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 all I'm asking. Oh, and if you do email us and ask if I'm still a communist, I'm not a <laughs> communist anymore. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, Matthew, I'm not on the mailing list. I haven't been for a very long time. Okay? Matthew, we're praying for you. <laughs> well, you can pray for us both. We really mm. appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this um, topic when we talk politics in the church and hope you've been blessed by it. For Matthew and I, catch you next time on Theology Channel.